Amen. We are still in Second Timothy, nearing the end of the book. We're in chapter 4. But before we get there, I, I just want to like see if you guys are aware of current events. <clears throat> Do you know what happens a week from Tuesday? I don't know. I was just wondering if you did. Um, you're right. Vacation Bible School happens a week from Tuesday. And today is the, the National Day of Prayer for Vacation Bible School. So if you would, I would just like to take a moment and, and let's pray for, for VBS as, as we kick it off. Uh, pray for the, the workers. Um, pray for the pastor. <laughs> but, but let's pray that God's Spirit would even now begin to work in the lives of the kids. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you. We, we thank you that you invite us to be part of your work in this world. And God, I thank you that, that we get to, to have the opportunity to join with you as you work in the lives of these kids. God, I pray that, that even now you would begin to soften their hearts, Lord, that you would open their eyes. I pray that, that God, in, in the, the songs, uh, Lord, in, in the Bible study and through the snack time, the worship time, all the things that we do in Vacation Bible School, that your Holy Spirit would just work. God, that you would draw kids to yourself. And, and Lord, I pray for the, the teachers, the workers as they uh, prepare this week. Father, I just ask that, Lord, you would just work in our hearts. God, that you would prepare us. Uh, Lord, help us to be instruments to be used by you. And Father, I pray that you'd work in such a way in the lives of these kids and the lives of the teachers and workers and in the parents. God, that you would, you would get the honor and glory and that kids would come to faith in Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Any of you guys ever, ever start something and, and, and you're all gung-ho when you start and then it just gets a little bit harder as you keep going? Has that ever happened to anybody? Uh, my dad w w was a master at, at making things look exciting that weren't really exciting. He, he owned a grocery store. He bought the store when, when I was in fourth grade. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I grew up learning how to do those things. I, I know this will surprise some of you, but, but in fourth grade, I was so short that I, I couldn't see over the counter. And, and so we had those plastic milk crates that he would line up, and I would stand on those plastic milk crates, and, and I had to had like four of them, and I would come over here on the milk crates, and, and I would sack the groceries for them, you know, ring them up, and then come over here to the cash register, and everybody was amazed. They probably thought I was like six, you know, but I was in the fourth grade, and I, I think you're older than six in fourth grade, right? Okay, so anyways, so uh, we would do that, and, and you know, I, I, that was fun, running the cash register. There were some things that weren't quite as fun, but my dad was really good at making them look fun. One of them was mopping the floors. And, and so, you know, son, I need you to mop the floors. And so I started, he goes, oh, no, 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 here, here, let me show you. And so he gets it, and, he, you know, I was doing this. You know, he says, no, because, you know, the big store, son, you're going to kill yourself doing that. Let me show you how to mop it. And, and, and he would put it in and, and wring it, and, you know, you kind of dry mop it a little bit because you don't want someone to fall and get hurt even back in that day. And so he's showing me, and he's going back and forth, and, man, that just looked easy. You know, he almost could use the waltz music as he was going, and, and man, he, but before I knew it, he had like one of the whole aisles done. I'm like, here, dad, let me, let me, here, let me do it. No, no, son, here, let me show you. And, and so you'll get this and around here, you know, you, you get in, man, I was chomping at the bits and I got a hold of that mop 
And that was great for like 50 seconds. (laughs) And I still had about three quarters of the store to go. And I didn't finish strong. (laughs) Same way with with, uh, breaking down the boxes. You know, that, that can be kind of fun. You know, he... This is back back in the day, uh, you know, we, we had those the, the little cardboard boxes that the six-packs came in, and you stomp them with your foot, you know, and I would kick them that way and break them, you know, and that was great for about three boxes. And 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 even, even stocking, you know, the, in, this is Texas in the summertime. Any of you ever been in Texas in August? Yeah, God did that so you won't want to go to hell. That's what I'm. <laughs> and so, and so, one of the best things that that I could do in Texas in in August was to go fill the drink boxes because you got to go in the coolers for that, and especially if you'd been taking stuff out to the dumpster where it was hot or you know doing something that then you then you get in there and and that was great for about five minutes. We tend to do that a whole lot. We, we tend to, to start out strong or you're really excited about something and, and, and then, then the routine sets in, the, the monotony sets in and it's just not quite as fun anymore. It, it just doesn't seem as exciting anymore and sometimes it gets a little bit hard and it, it's hard a lot of times to finish strong. It, it just is. Um, in, any of you were runners? Some of you may still be. Um, I, I love, I, I used to be, I, I used to run track and cross country and, and, and I love, uh, someone put on, on Facebook that I, I thought about running, but I read in the Bible where the wicked, wicked run when no one's chasing them. It's a good reason not to, I guess. I'd... But, but finishing strong when you run, I, I started out as a sprinter and then everybody like passed me with that. And so I turned into a long distance runner and, and you need to save some for the end. Isn't that right? You know? One time in practice, we did a pyramid. We'd start out with a 1, 100, then a 200, then a 400, then, you know, an 800, and then you, then you, you work your way back down, and, and I don't know, there were multiples of those. Well, I got a little confused one time in practice, and, and we got ready. We we're on our way back down, I thought, the 400, and, man, I took off, and I blew everybody away. And I got to that one time around the track, and I stopped, and Coach goes, Evans, you got one more to go. I said, Coach, I gave it all I had. <laughs> Paul's writing to Timothy. Timothy's a pastor in Ephesus. And, and, and Paul is, is encouraging Timothy through all of this. And, and, and we get to, uh, to the end of this letter, and, and we're not toward the end. And, and the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, and, and the Apostle Paul really kind of looks in inwardly to his life. And, and that's where we are. Chapter 2, we're, we're just doing three verses today. Don't get too excited. I can spend an hour on one, but we won't. Three verses. We're going to start in verse 6. And Paul says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. The Apostle Paul is just, just being real vulnerable with Timothy. And I can't imagine what it would be like to know this as the Apostle Paul. He's saying, Timothy, already I'm being poured out as a drink offering, and I know the end is really near. 
You, you tend to really think deeply when times like that come. Verse 7, he says, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. Just, just outwardly, if someone were to walk up to you today and say, you know what? Man, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've, I've kept the faith. I've done everything God has called me to do. You'd probably say, except repent, <laughs> you liar. That, that sounds pretty bold for the Apostle Paul to say that, 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 listen, I've done what God has called me to do. I finished. And then if that weren't enough, the Apostle Paul continues in verse 8. He says, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Man, that sounds pretty arrogant, doesn't it? Think about if someone were to say this to you. Hey, look, you know what? I've done everything God has called me to do. And, and, and I know that, that he has laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, this is Jesus, will award to me on that day. And, and not only to me, you know, Paul says, you know, it's, it's not just me, but, but all those who love his appearing. That, when we read this, if this were anyone else but the Apostle Paul, we would say, I don't think so. Why would the Apostle Paul tell this to Timothy? What, why would the Apostle Paul, as he nears the end, write this to Timothy? Here's, here's what I think the Apostle Paul is doing. I think the Apostle Paul is using himself as an example for Timothy to follow. I mean, he says that in other places. Follow me, you know, basically as I follow the Lord. Let me be your example as Jesus is my example. And I think the Apostle Paul is wanting to encourage him because there are times where, man, we just get tired, don't we? I don't know if you stood very close to me today. My, my eyes are just a little bit bloodshot. Um, we had this thing called Project Graduation last night. And, and I'm, I'm not as young as I used to be. Um, Two hours of sleep just doesn't go very far. We get tired. Monotony sets in. The, the daily routine sets in. It's just not as fun. It's just not as exciting anymore. I could see that happening to Timothy. If you remember the Apostle Paul's telling him he needs to confront these false teachers, that he needs to be sure that, that he sticks with, with the true teaching that's in Scripture and, 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 and to refute those. He, he goes on, in fact, we're... Uh, in a week or so, we'll hit where, where he talks about Alexander the coppersmith who's done him great harm. You know, the Apostle Paul is encouraging Timothy, and I think he's saying, Timothy, look, look at my example. The Apostle Paul, this is a guy who was beaten and stoned, and, and they would have finished the job except they thought he was already dead. This is a, a guy... Who, who has been run out of more towns than we've ever been invited to, right? This is a guy who I think daily was thankful 
for the life that God had saved him from. And he's encouraging Timothy, saying, you know, Timothy, I know my end is near. In, in fact, the, the impression I get when he says my, my life is already being poured out is that, that, Timothy, there's not much sand left in my hourglass, and, and I can see that. But, Timothy, here's something I know. Here's something I know. I've been faithful. I've done what God has called me to do. I didn't give up. I didn't back down. I didn't change paths. I pressed on. You remember Paul says that in Philippians. One thing I do, forgetting everything that lies behind and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Timothy, I've done that. And and I think the... I think the implication here is, Timothy, you can do that too. So I want to encourage you this morning. I, I know life gets tough sometimes. Sometimes we just flat get bored, don't we? <laughs> we just get tired of doing it. You're not bored because you don't have anything to do. I, I know you're bored because of what you're doing is the same or it just gets hard. One of the, the things that, that we need to remember is this. is that our time for departure will come it, for every single one of us. Now, now my prayer is uh, our departure looks like this. We hear a trumpet, <laughs> and Jesus is coming on a cloud, and, and he calls us to meet him up in the air. That's the way I want to go. I've thought about other ways. I might have mentioned this to you. I, I get a little morbid sometimes, I, I guess, in a way that I think. Um, I thought, you know what? The best way to go from, from this life into the next would be just to go to sleep and wake up in heaven. You ever thought about that? And I thought, you know what, that might be a little traumatic for Cynthia. <laughs> and then I thought, no, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do that to Cynthia. You know what, you know what would be a good way to go? In the middle of a message, when I say, and the trumpet will sound, and man, I just drop right there. And then I thought, well, that might be a little traumatic for the church. I think the best way to go would be this way. There, there will be a time, our, our departure will come. Wouldn't it be great if we were here when Jesus came to take us home? Whether that's the case or, or whether it's another way, whether we go to meet him or he comes to get us, our time for departure will come. It, it'll It'll happen. The second thing that we need to remember that I think Paul is, is helping Timothy with here is that we will give an account for our life. I, I think Paul is doing that even right here. Paul says, I, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've, I've kept the faith. He, he's given an account for his life. That, that's a bold statement, isn't it? it? Isn't that the statement you want to be able to make? I know that's, that's what I want to be able to say. If, if God allows me to, to know that the end is near, I want to be able to say, I, I've done what God has called me to do. I've been faithful in his call for me. You, you, you've seen the commercial, what do you want on your tombstone? You know, well, pepperoni and onions and <laughs> not the pizza. 
if you knew the end was near, would you be able to say what Paul said? That's a hard question, isn't it? The truth is we don't know, most of us, when our end is. We do know that our departure will come. We do know that we'll give an account. And and the last thing I want us to remember is the account we give will depend on where we set our finish line. Here's what the apostle said. The the apostle, I, I get this idea when he talks about in Philippians that I press on toward the goal of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. I think verse 8 is what he has in mind when he says that. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, and then this is where we get included, but to all who love his appearing, to all who are excited about seeing Jesus. It's hard to be excited about seeing Jesus when you know you haven't been doing what he called you to do. Where do you set your finish line? What, what is it that you want the Lord to say to you on that day? I, babe, y'all remember that movie? I've, I've mentioned this several times to you. Farmer Hoggett, you remember him? Some of you need to, need to go watch that. It's a cute movie. Babe performed amazingly. Babe is a pig that is trained like a sheepdog. <laughs> performed amazingly in a competition. Comes next to Farmer Hoggett and he offers him the highest praise Farmer Hoggett, a man of few words, could ever say. That'll do, pig. That'll do. That is not what I want to hear Jesus say. I want him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I've put you in charge. You've been faithful with what I've given you here. Now, enter into my joy. And, and what we're able to say when we see the end there, what Jesus says to us just depends on where we put the finish line. Listen, let me encourage you with this as, as we enter uh, into a time of, of communion. When we think about stuff like this, we think, well, you know what, I've, I've already missed that. Well, I've already blown that. I, I messed up. Here's the cool thing with God. It's never too late. We can today say, you know what? Jesus, I want to be faithful. I I want to be able to say what Paul said. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. And we can start that now where we are today. Today. Some of you are saying, I don't know. I, yeah. 1 John 1, 9 says, if, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Satan would love you to think this. Satan would love you to think, you know what? You've been messing up. You've been messing up. You've been messing up. It's going to take a long time for you to fix stuff with God. That's a lie. First of all, you don't fix stuff with God. Jesus fixed it on the cross when he paid the price for our sin. Just as you've received Jesus Christ, so walk in him. How did you receive him? By grace through faith. You simply believed. 
You've trusted. And in a moment, that's how you're restored in relationship or fellowship with God. Let me encourage you today. Let's say, Lord, that, that's what I want from my life, and, and I, want, I want that to start now. I want that to start now. When the Apostle Paul said, my life is already being poured out as a drink offering, he had Jesus in mind when he said that. The one who went to the cross for us. And, and we think of what, when we think of the cross, a lot of times we think of the, the physical pain that Jesus endured. And, and certainly that would have been enough to kill most we may think of, of the emotional agony as, as Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane and, 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 and really was agonized to the point that he, he sweat drops of blood. That, that's huge. Just, just the, the emotion that Jesus went through. And that was a lot. But you know what happened on the cross goes so far beyond those two. Scripture tells us that God made him who knew no sin to become sin. You get what he's saying? Jesus from eternity past is God the Son, is sinless in perfect relationship with God. And while Jesus was on the cross, God took my sin and your sin and placed it on him. He became our sin. That's why he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken? The reason is, because of our sin. And if that weren't enough, while Jesus bearing our sin on the cross, he took the punishment. God punished him bearing our sin with the punishment we deserved. So that God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. That's amazing. As Paul says, my life is being poured out as a drink offering. I, he was thinking of what Jesus did for him on the cross. So let me just invite you today. Why don't we just today just say, you know what, God, I, I, want, that, I want that to be true of my life. I want to be able to say what Paul said when I see the end near. And I want it to start today. No matter where you are, if you've never come to faith in Christ, we invite you to do that today. There's not a magic prayer. There's really not much you do. The way Scripture says it is you believe. You trust in Christ and you receive eternal life. He did the work for us on the cross. Maybe you did that a long time ago and you, during the message today you said, you know what, I just, I just kind of feel like I've gotten away a bit. You know how you get back? You believe and receive. You didn't lose your salvation, but all it takes is simply repenting and trusting in him, and you are in right relationship with God, right fellowship. Whatever the case is for you today, as we, as we enter this time of communion, as we take the Lord's Supper together, I would just, just ask that where you are, just respond to him. If you have questions, if you, if you want to talk with someone about Trusting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Kurt and I both would love to be able to do that. We have a lot of people here who would love to be able to talk with you about that. You can catch us right after the service. The way that we do communion here, just so you know, 
is if you have trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior and made a public profession of faith, we invite you to join us today. Use the time. We'll take the, the bread and we'll take the juice and, and hold those and, and use that time as a time of reflection, just letting the Holy Spirit search your heart. And if he brings anything up you need to take care of with him, you do that. You need to take care of something with someone else, you do that. And then once we've received the bread and the juice, we'll all take it together as the body of Christ. As the deacons come forward, let me pray for us. Father, you are amazing. Your love blows us away. Not only did you love us, but you demonstrated your love for us. And while we were still your enemies, Christ died on the cross for us. So, Father, today we come and we offer ourselves to you. Lord, as we take the bread, we're reminded of the body of Christ that was broken for us. As we take the juice, we remember the blood of Jesus that, that established a new covenant with us, one of grace where you did all the work. And we simply get to enjoy the benefit of right relationship, of being righteous in your eyes. Father, draw us to you. Give us the courage and the boldness to be obedient to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.